Cool. Commandeered. All right. I'm excited. Oh, this is loose. Um, so I'm closing out Ephesians. Ephesians 1, sorry. Not all of Ephesians. Um, and it's really exciting. We've been going through, uh, we started Ephesians beginning of Ju- July. And, uh, and so I introduced Sit, Walk, Stand, um, and this, this book kind of that parallels some of the things we've been studying in Ephesians and just kind of di- discussed um, every spiritual blessing and how exciting that was. And Knopf, um, the week after that, he got excited about, um, what was it, Charis, right? It was called, adopted, redeemed, included, sealed. And it's just all of the things that Paul is saying we are. And, uh, and then Camille followed up after that with just talking about identity. And it was perfect because what Ephesians 1 is is just describing all of the things we have in Christ. And it's, it's super exciting. The more you read it, the more it gets into you and the more it just begins to define your life. And so I got a ton out of just what Camille had to say. I mean, just the idea that um, our identity is in Christ and that we don't need to try and put on Christ, but more just take off all these false identities and we end up looking like Christ. I, I found that really exciting. And then Katie came up and she was just a raving lunatic, just yelling at people. And it was nuts. We finally figured out she's this amazing speaker like the last day she's here. It was kind of bad. But no, she, and what she really did was she talked out of, um, she just gave her testimony essentially. She's only been a Christian for like two and a half years and yet you can see as she's speaking, she just absolutely loves the word. And really you see that she walks out her faith not out of some sense of like, this is what Christians do and I should read my Bible, but more, you know, these are all the things I like about Christ and this is who he's showing me to be, himself to be and then I'm just responding to that. And so it's perfect for, what I'm going to talk about tonight, which is Paul's a prayer for the Ephesians. And it's, it's really a short prayer, but it's, it's just ridiculous. I, I've read it over and over and over again, prayed it over my life for months and months and months. And really, um, by praying these things in my life, it just completely changed my outlook. And so I'm really excited because I get to finally talk about this stuff. Um, Noff kind of had to let me speak because I just go on and on and on about Ephesians and this revelation and just, um, you know, just to shut me up. He's like, all right, go, go talk, quick. Um, so anyway, um, Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. If you've got your Bibles, Ephesians 1, 15. Um, I think it's supposed to show up at some point. But if you don't have your Bibles, there's some on the little tables, and then there's, you know, cell phones and all that. But anyway, therefore I also, after having heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And so this is his prayer. That God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe. And uh, it goes on, and really that's the meat of His prayer, and that's really what I want to talk about tonight. I don't even think I'm going to get to um, the second part of the prayer, because I got way excited when I was studying about the first part of the prayer, and I realized, like, I've got eight pages of bullet points, and, like, that's just, I'm not going to get through that. But um, his prayer is, is amazing because it begins with such a simple thing. God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I, I didn't know what that was, and as I'm reading Sit, Walk, Stand, and it's all about just resting in Christ and resting in who he says I am, um, I thought, man, I, I can't do that. I don't feel like a son. I don't feel chosen. I don't feel inherited, redeemed, all these other 
things. So I just started praying, like, God, bring revelation. Because I, I read somewhere, revelation is the following. Um, a manifestation of a divine will or truth. A dramatic disclosure of something not previously known. It's simply, it's just divine disclosure. It's God revealing something to us. It doesn't have to be super holy or anything. It's, it's often awesome. It's sometimes scary. It's almost always, it's always beneficial, though. It's good for you. And, uh, and re- what, I've become, what I've come to realize is that revelation is the key to everything in Christianity. I used to pray, and, and I've got, like, spiritual ADD. Like, I'd pray for, like, faith. And then, like, a week later, I'm praying hardcore for, like, my brother. And, like, I just, like, all over the place. And I got frustrated because I felt like I would only get, like, one step into this, and then I'd move here. And, like, I never got anywhere. So I was like, God, there's got to be one thing. Like, if I just pray for that one thing, it'll co- cover everything. So as I'm praying, you know, I'm praying, God, give me faith. And I realize, like, I'm not, he's not going to just suddenly, psh, faith. He's going to show me who he is. He's constant. He's true. In his word, he constantly heals, and he constantly is just long-suffering. And you, you, you kind of get a flavor of who he is, and then you can have faith as you come to know who he is. And it's the same thing in almost everything else. I mean, this, this whole sit, walk, stand thing. How are you going to rest in Christ, if you don't really know who he is, if you don't know who you are in Christ, if you don't know your identity, it's very, just, it's impossible without knowing who God is to just rest in who he is. And, uh, and without revelation, it's really impossible to walk out that God-given identity. So I started seeking, why, how is revelation the key to everything? And um, what I've realized is, even like, I mean, like faith, revelation is huge. But even like, you know, I was, I was about to get married a little while ago, and I was really stoked, excited, and I was like, God, would you make me the greatest husband that, you know, ever lived, super loving, tender, and all these things. And he brought me Ephesians uh, something or other. I didn't even look it up. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And I realized, like, I'm only going to love my future wife as much as, steady, as, um, I'm only going to love my future wife as much as I can understand how Christ loved the church. And, and so I started praying, God, show me your love and who you are. And suddenly I started, you know, there was affection and tenderness and all these things that I just never felt. And it wasn't like me praying for love. It was me praying to know his love. And it's the same thing. There's another passage. Um, I, I didn't look it up either. I kind of did this at work on my lunch break. And it says, we love him because he first loved us. And it's true. We... We don't love him because, you know, we just have decided. We begin to see how much he loves us, and then we just love him out of kind of like a response to who he is. And so that, I mean, I pray that every day. God, show me who you are so that I can actually love you and not out of like a sense of religiousness or anything like that. And it's the same thing with joy, peace, patience. Like all of these things, they come as we get revelation of who he is. I mean, the peace of Christ, it says there's the peaceable fruits of righteousness. So if you're constantly trying to, Get your own righteousness. If you're trying to be godly, it's always going to be frustrating and you're never going to have peace. But as you just kind of rest in the fact that Christ says you're dead to sin, it's no longer you who live, but Christ lives in you, then suddenly it's like, oh, thank God. Like, I don't have to really do much right now. I just need to enjoy his time. And it's, it's the same thing with hope and, and knowing God. You can't know God without revelation. That's, that's crazy simple. So my, my question tonight is, does what you know about him, does, does what you, is, is what you hear and what you, you know, sing and all these things, does it create a desire for more? Do, are you driven by your love for Christ or is it something else that's kind of driving your Christianity? I, I mean, Katie's, Katie's theme was hilarious. She said, you know, if you're not this, you don't know God. And following the same theme, 
if, you, if what you know about God doesn't cause you to just yearn and desire and need more, if you're like in this complacency, like, that's scary. You, it's not that you don't know God. You, you know about God. You don't like know him as a, you know, Noph is constantly talking. Know is that, you know, the sexual version of know. It's the same thing. If, unless you know God, you're not going to chase after him. And uh, as I was thinking about that, I'm like, how, how does that look in real life? Because um, I like to kind of take something that's this way and kind of make it this way so that I can understand it. I came up with the hot girl doctrine. doctrine. It's not very religious, but it makes perfect sense when you think about it. And this is kind of like I'm used to like leading men's Bible studies, so it, it makes good sense to guys, but, you know, girls will get the point. You're in the honeymoon stage of dating. Gorgeous. Just, I mean, she is flat out excited, like no other, eyes for no other man. You start to, you're, you're like, your priorities change. You, you start doing things you never would have done. You're up until three in the morning, even though you got to wake up at like seven in the morning for work. You're like talking on the phone to like stupid hours of the night and it's about nothing. Like the dumbest things you've ever heard. You're willing to drive two hours to talk to her for 30 minutes. You're, you squirrel away every penny for the date fund and the date fund's like $30. But you're like, everything has gone through, like, you know, how's that going to affect my date fund? You're working, I mean, even when you're not with this girl, you're working out constantly, you're watching your carbs. It's like, either you're with her and you're enjoying her, or you're preparing for time with her. But it's just like, it changes your life because you're just excited about this relationship. Haircuts are regular. I mean, everything, I mean, you're going to the ballet. Come on. Guys, ballet, no. And, and it should be the same thing with God. I, 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 it should be the more you know about him, you should just be doing stupid things. You should be, you know, I get up at 8 in the morning, 7 in the morning, 6 in the morning. My dad gets up at 3 in the morning to get in the Word. Like, he wants God so bad, and it defines every interaction in his life. And, and it's the same thing in my life. Like, I used to, I used to just, I do it out of, like, a sense of this is what Christians are supposed to do. And it's, it's not supposed to be that way. God is a loving God. He, he listens to every single one of your prayers. He's excited when you get up in the morning. It doesn't matter if you feel like there's that ceiling above your prayers. He is there. He is listening. And, and just the more you know about him should really define how you walk. And, and uh, I've already kind of discussed my frustrations in college. This, this time when I was just, I wanted him and I really didn't know what to do. I got up and I read and, and just prayed and... I always felt like I was just striving and I was getting nowhere. And there was this like cyclical loop where I'd, I'd get excited and then I'd get less excited and then I'd get excited about the gym and then I'd eat a whole bunch. It's just like my life was cyclical. I, I got nowhere. And, and so as I'm preparing for this message, I went back and I, I started reading some of my prayers. I write them down. It's decently nerdy. But like it gives me a chance to go back and see like, you know, God's working on my life. Uh, how's my handwriting? Like it, it helps me kind of spiritually litmus test my life. And so I found this prayer, and it's, it's not super long, and you don't have to, you can zone out if you want, but I, I wrote it when I was in Switzerland, and, and I was frustrated. Like, I was literally, I was in it. Um, I was trying so hard. I was, I was, like, in Bible studies, and I was going to a French-speaking church. Like, I didn't know what was going on, but I just wanted to be where he was. And so I, I wrote this. I, I've come to the realization that I'm not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't feel like more than a conqueror. I feel like a Christian who's doing everything out of willpower and mental strength. There's no spiritual strength. As I begin to read Watchman Nee, and this was like three years ago, uh, it became even clear why I'm a weak Christian. Everything I read in the Bible, hear, veering, hear, veering, hear via sermons, 
point to what my spirit is telling me. And while I don't doubt that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I do feel like I'm not overflowing with Him. And as I uh, listen to a sermon from Hillsong's London entitled Supernatural Awakening, I realize that there are three ways to walk in obedience to Christ. One is fear and hope-based obedience. Two is a responsibility-based obedience. And three is an affection-based obedience. And I know for a fact I'm two. So I'm doing everything out of a responsibility-based obedience rather than three, an affection. And, and I feel terribly convicted. So I pray this for a fresh overflow of the Spirit to live and walk in the Spirit, greater and greater measures of revelation and an increasing passion and love for Christ to govern everything I do. And I read this and I'm like, that's awesome. Not the prayer or the, you know, the prose or anything, but just the fact that I felt so like stuck. And right now, I'm super excited, stoked. Like I'm, I'm reading the Bible like three times a day because I'm excited about doing it. It makes no sense. Like I've tried my entire life to be what I'm doing right now and it's, it has nothing to do with my like striving or willpower. Like I've also been trying to lose like 20 pounds for like two years and I've, I've gained like five. So clearly it's not my willpower that's doing any of this. It's just more about who he is. Like I get so excited and, uh, and I'm a three. I'm not an eight or a 10, I'm a three. I, I, I do everything out of affection-based obedience and, and really I, I went back in this prayer and I was like, man, that makes such sense. Like, there's so many Christians who, the first one was a fear or a hope-based obedience. How many Christians is that? Like, when you first come to the name of the Lord, either you don't know enough about God, so you're doing everything, everything out of fear. You think that he's just waiting for an opportunity to smite you. That's not the case. And, and, or you do everything out of hope. So you see, people describe heaven, and that's the reason you came to Christ. And so you do everything for the hope of heaven. But you quickly lose um, that picture, and so you're just kind of stumbling through life. And then as you grow up in Christianity, you start doing things out of, uh, what was it? Out of responsibility-based obedience. And that was totally me. I read my Bible. I prayed. I, you know, abstained from particular things and failed in a whole bunch of other things. But I, like, did everything out of, like, this is what Christians do. This is what I've seen my father do. This is what it should be. And so many Christians never get past that. They do, it's just, it's a religious spirit that kind of rests on them and it smothers Christianity, it smothers just any kind of growth. And, and I'm so happy that God has kind of pulled me out of religion and just, I don't know, blessed me with just an affection for him. Like, I'm weepy. Like, it's, it's terrible. I'm in services, you know, and like, there's a pretty girl in front of me and I'm just like bawling and, and touching the mic and it's, it's terrible. Like, and, but I still, I like love it. I love just freshness. And it, it's not anything I've done or like, you know, studied. Like, it's just God wants to bring us into like a, a, an absolute love for him where everything you do is, is based on just who he is. You're excited about getting to know him. Like right now, I shouldn't be, I'd, I'd tell this to like a men's Bible study, but like, you know, um, I'm being tempted in a thousand different ways right now. And previously, like, I would willpower my way through it um, and fail, like, two days into it. And, and I've been tempted, like, I've never been tempted for, like, a good, solid, like, two months. Like, just ridiculous. And I'm, like, powering right through it. And it has nothing. The only reason I'm able to, like, kind of keep myself holy is not because I shouldn't be doing those things, but because I cannot give up the closeness of I, I have with God. I can't allow even for a minute... Um, just kind of Satan to bring shame into my life. 
God has plans and purposes and revelations and all these great things for me. And if I, if I give up even for a minute, I'm going to lose out on something that he's got for me. And so it's, it's like I want, I, and the other thing is like I'm going to be getting married. Like I don't want, uh, you know, any, I don't want to bring any kind of ungodliness into my marriage. Like I want to be pure and holy. And, and really that's, I'm, I'm excited because it perfectly links with Paul's prayer. But like, what I know about God has driven my passions. I love Ephesians. I love sit, walk, stand. I love talking about, you know, it's decently nerdy. Like, Noff and I will get together and talk about the Bible for like two hours. Whereas before, we're like watching Top Gear and doing super unholy things. Like, I, I just, I love the fact that God is all the while working in our lives. And he has plans and purposes and revelations for each and every one of us. And really, revelation is, has been the key to any growth in my life. Like, Every time I, at one point, um, you know, I went over to Eric Waterbury's house, and if anybody's met Eric Waterbury, like, that guy has got spiritual discernment to the T. Like, he'll look at you and go, this is your spiritual stronghold. And you just, like, weep and just break down. And he just, he just said, hey, you're super religious. And I was like, no, yes. And I just broke down. And, and God just kind of, like, took this guy and, and kind of helped me. Um, like, he would say, you know, you've got a problem with this. And I go and open my Bible, and God would give me like a thousand scriptures that have to do exactly with that. And then I would go to church, and they would be like, they would speak exactly to where I'm, what I'm doing. And then I'd, I'd go like open a book, and it would be like, Dear Sean, would be the like, title of the chapter. Like, it was so specifically God's revelation. And he, he's doing this at a, a young age, right? He's not bringing, re- I went to a, a men's Bible study, or a men's, uh, what's it called? Retreat. Thank you. And, uh, all these men are like 50, 55, and they're telling these like deep, you know, stories about what they've learned in the last year. And I'm like going through unemployment and like the failing of a, you know, a, a breakup. And like I'm, I'm getting all of these revelations that these old men are getting. Like God wants us to get it at a young age. I was reading just, this is complete sidebar, but like there's a verse somewhere in, in Psalms that says, God, would you teach me who you are young that I might sing your praises all the days of my life? And really, we want that. We don't want, like, to just stumble across the finish line. We want to come to a full understanding of, of all he has for us. And so, generally, I would be reading this prayer, and it says, God, I pray that you would give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I would stop there, and I'd start praying, because really, that's what I want. And so, this week, I got a chance to study the rest of the prayer, and I just got hyper excited. It was, it was bad. Like, I hope my work's not watching, because they, they would know I was, like, work, not doing work. But the prayer is, is kind of, well, it's four things. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened to know first the hope of, his call, of your calling, what are the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And that means he's inheriting us, not we're getting an inheritance. And then the third is his exceeding great power towards us. And that is amazing. It's one of those things like I'm glad that I'm not even going to get to that because for me to describe the power of God in our lives is just kind of, it, it wouldn't do it justice. Um, and, and really, we need revelation for more and more of that. Um, and you also, you need revelation in order to understand what it means to be God's inheritance. We hear all the time that we've been given an inheritance and we have all these great things to look forward to, but God earnestly is excited about you. Like, he can't wait. Like, I was thinking about it. There's three types of inheritance. There's the, the fake inheritance, and that's where, like, some guy from Zimbabwe left you, like, $2 million and he needs your credit card information and then there's the the ridiculously crappy uh inheritance where like your dad dies and leaves you some money 
And then there's awesome inheritance where like crazy Uncle Pot dies and leaves you like $5 million. You've never met the guy, but you're like, I'm not sad at all. Like, this is great. I'm going to spend it immediately. And that's the same thing with God. Like there's going to be no weeping. From, you're going to die and before his tear even hits the ground, you're going to be up the holy escalator and in heaven like rejoicing. He cannot wait for you to get there. He is excited. And, and so really, as much as I'd love to talk about those two things, really what I want to talk about is the hope of our calling. And for many, many Christians, the hope of our calling is, is heaven. We, we, we hear, you know, someone says, you know, you don't, uh, you know, no sex before marriage, and, you know, you don't do all these things. Like, what do you get out of Christianity? And you try to describe to them, like, peace and patience, and it means nothing. And then you're like, heaven! And you just start talking about heaven. And, and that's, that's what we kind of describe as our end goal. But that would make this earth kind of just like a waiting room. Like, it, it, has, it would take the purpose out of life. And it gets really confusing when, about, you know, what's then our purpose because we hear the Great Commission, the Great Commandment, our individual callings, God's will for our lives. Like, there's so many, like, competing things. But Paul's praying that we would know the hope of our calling. It's, and so if you look in Ephesians 4.4, 4, it says, you were called with one hope of your calling. So it's a very specific calling. It's not... You know, I always used to think calling and picture some missionary going to Africa. God, oh, I don't want anything to do with a calling. But it's, it's not that. It's not like the individual callings. It's, the, it's more like the callings for all Christians. And um, so I started thinking, you know, then if, if, if missionary-dom is not our calling and if heaven is not our calling, like, what is our calling? And if you look, go to Ephesians 1.4. That's where... Um, Paul, uh, sorry, Paul is discussing all the things we have in Christ. So this is right in the middle of Eric's last talk on chosen, accepted, redeemed, included, sealed. Um, and it says, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Very, very exciting. I, I, he, it says we're sons and all these great things. He chose us that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And really, that holy bit is really important to me because I feel, especially when I was writing that prayer and when I was in college, like, I felt very, very unholy. Like, I felt just useless as a Christian. And so, um, to suddenly realize that God has chosen me to be holy and it's not like a, you know, stumble across the finish line and be holy in heaven. He wants me to be holy now. And he chose me in Christ so that that could happen. And it makes sense as, you know, I, I started reading this and I kind of got frustrated by that statement because I didn't really know how that worked out in reality. And, and so I went on to my own reading and it, I, I was in Hebrews and it says, without holiness, no man shall see God. We all can believe that we're going to, at a moment in a twinkling of an eye, you know, we're going to go to heaven. You know, either we die or Christ comes back or something happens, we're going to end up in heaven. And we can all believe this um, and we're going to be holy then, and it's going to be very easy to see God. But he, didn't, he doesn't just want us to be holy and see him then. I believe that he, is, he wants it to happen now, like in our lives. And, and the more I kind of grow up in Christianity, the more I grow up in my love for Christ, I realize that even within the realm of heaven, my desire is not to see heaven, it's to see Christ in heaven. Like, I want to know who he is. Moses, the man who spent like the most amount of time like super close to God, you know, Solomon asked for wisdom. Like when Moses got a chance to ask, he said, you know, let me just see you. 
He knew, like, the more I know who he is, the more I see him, the more it's going to completely change my life. And, you know, obviously God said, you know, I'm going to, uh, I'll pass, I'll stick you in a, a crack and I'll let you see my backside. And that's like the best anyone's done. But I believe that he has so much more for us. And it's all about seeing God here on earth now. And, I mean, even I, as I was driving over here, I realized, like, Jesus, Jesus' prayer, when he's saying, like, this is how you should pray, um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. He, desi- he wants it to happen now. He, even in his prayer, he's praying that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, I mean, if Jesus is saying, like, I'm going to pray that, I want to see his will be done now. I want to know him well. I want to be so enraptured by him that, you know, I'm, I, the willpower just completely falls out of my relationship with him. And it's just done out of affection. The hot girl doctrine would just kind of rule my relationship with God. And I love reading the prayers of amazing people in the Bible because it gives you an idea. Like, I don't know what to ask for. I'm, I'm you know, spiritually ADD. I'm going after everything. Um, but when you, you read these guys that, you know, they walked with Christ, or even like Jesus' prayer, you're like, I'm just going to pray what he prays because he's already got it down. And so when he's praying, John 17 is just one big, long prayer. He prays for himself, then he prays for uh, all uh, his disciples, and then he prays for Christianity as a whole, or like Christians as a whole. And he says, in his prayer, when he's praying about himself, he says, this is eternal life that they may know the one true God. That's amazing. I, I got so amped over that. It, it's, it's less, uh, it's, it's difficult to explain, but eternal life is knowing the one true God. And, and it, it doesn't have to start when we die. Like we have, the hope of our calling is that we should walk in eternal life now, that we should be to the praise of his glory and seek after everything that he has. And I just don't know. John, I, I started reading John um, as I was kind of searching after what does it mean? What is the hope of our calling? What does it mean to um, really know these things? And it says in John uh, 1, or First John 3, it says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for, he, uh, for we shall see him as he is. Now everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself as he is pure. And, and that's, you know, I started studying calling, but I ended up in hope. And, and I realized that the hope of our calling is, is really, it, it, it will drive our, our, our pure, you know, it will drive purity in our lives and holiness. And it says, with everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as he is pure. I realized, like, that's kind of working in my life. Like, I cannot stand, I don't have time to fall into these sins and temptations because I want more of Christ. I want to walk with him in a, in a deeper fashion. And so it's really that hope, the hope of that I, I can attain these things, that he, he has set before me every spiritual blessing. He has called me sons. He has done all these great things. I, I want to lay hold of those. And so, you know, it's, I, I kind of referenced this when I was talking uh, at the beginning. I said, does... Does what you know about him create more desire to know him, expectation, joy, more love? Does, does your life, does what you know about him cause you to walk in greater purity, in greater like fervency and desire? And, and this verse in 1 John 3, 2 is hinting at that. It's everyone who has his hope. 
purifies himself just as he is pure. And as I'm reading, I started reading hope and calling. And just, you know, I do keyword studies whenever I don't know what's going on. Like, I just start studying it. And as I was getting in, in hope and calling, like, Paul writes about calling constantly throughout, like, all of his books. Like, it shows up, like, every paragraph. This is a guy who was defined by revelation. I, I told you guys the first time I talked that um, he said, I, went, or I received Christ by revelation, right? He saw, he's walking around. He's about to kill a bunch of Christians. Christ shows up and says, why are you persecuting me? He, he didn't get a chance to walk with Christ. He, Christ showed up and, and revealed to him his plan for his life. And then he didn't go and like study with all the disciples, right? He went off somewhere, I don't know where. And he, and God brought revelation. And you, so he's writing these amazing books, Hebrews and Romans and like super deep doctrinal books. And it's not on anything he studied, but on what God revealed. And so it's so cool that this, this guy who is defined by revelation is super amped about calling. And even like First uh, John, it, it's in there. Like basically every one of the um, disciples is talking about a calling. I mean, even what Amos, it's in Amos. I've never read Amos. It's kind of like a random little book somewhere. But it's, it's all over the Bible. And so I just want to be defined by our, our calling. One of the things that I began to realize was that our identity, or our calling is just another like step in our identity. So yes, we're sons. Yes, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Sons and daughters. Uh, we've bus- been blessed with every spiritual blessing, but he desires more. And, and so as I was, uh, as I was, I went to, church at the rock of roseville and i love when whenever i'm reading something like it begins to show up in everywhere i go it, it happens when i'm like getting attacked when i'm really screwing up but it also happens whenever god just wants to really press something home and so you know Noth talks about everything we've been blessed with his wife talks about identity um katie talks about how that identity has shaped her christian walk and then i go to the rock of roseville and they're like john 13 we're going to talk about identity for an hour and a half and it was and it was it was that girl havila who came here and it was really a powerful night and she said true calling or identity will always be followed by action and it's true i love that the more it doesn't matter if you have identity if you're not walking it out your identity will always be followed by action. And in fact, it's not just your identity. It's knowing who God is. The more you know about who God is and who you are in God, the more you're going to walk that out. The more you're going to purify you just as he is pure. The more you're going to uh, be to the praise of his glory on a daily basis. And so, uh, really, that's my biggest question tonight is, does your identity flow from your calling? D- does what you know about God really define like, what you need? Do you, is there a need in your life and, and just desire and just like a, a fervency? Because with God, one of the things I realize is that there's no like, like midpoint. Like you're either chasing hard after God or you're falling away. There's no like, he doesn't, he, he left no place for complacency. And you know, when I, when I, 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 you know, I graduated with a master's and I was like, yes, I'm going to be awesome. I, I actually told one of my friends like, I've already got a job, like, it's, it's sweet, like, Liz is going to make money, and, like, we're going to get a house, and, like, I just started, like, mouthing off on, like, you know, my American dream, and it was, it was useless, and then I went the next, you know, I, I graduated, and I could have chosen a better time, June of 09, like, worst time in, like, 30 years prior, and probably, like, 30 years to come, and, and I spent a year trying to find a job, and it, it sucked, 
like really badly. And, and really, it was just God wanted to just grow me in that time. And so I like, at one point, I pressed in super hard. I went, Knopf rented out his office to me, and I like went down, I went downtown, and I would read the Bible for like four hours in a room. And, and I got all sorts of great revelations, and really, one day I'm sitting with Waterbury, and I'm like, I don't even care about a job. Like, my family loves me, I'm, my car's paid for, like, what do I need to worry about? And just as I'm talking about just like my contentment and just the excitement of revelation, this office calls me, and they're like, we've got a job for you. And then an hour later, like, another job calls me, and they tell me I've got a job for me. And they start, like, bidding up and, like, by, like, thousands of dollars a month. And it's like, this is nuts. Like, I, I go from being fully unemployed to turning someone down where everybody else is still bothering with unemployment. Like, it was crazy, and it was so God's hand. And, and what happens when life gets good is you either you press in or you just kind of, like, relax. And I relaxed, like, hardcore. And... Uh, and, you know, I got really, we started, Liz and I started getting ready for marriage. And, uh, and then January 1st, um, you know, she said, you know, I, I feel like God's leading me to not get buried. And I just, like, died really bad. Like, two months, like, I, I went from, like, you know, just sure of myself to just, I don't know what love is, and weeping. And, like, it was just really emo. And, and what happened was God wanted to bring brokenness into my life. He wanted, you know, to continue the revelation. And I kind of eased off, you know. I got my job. I've got a future wife. Like, what do I need anything for? And, and so when I, ca- I came out of that realizing, like, I'm going to push in. I'm going to keep my foot down because every time I get excited about something that's not what he has for me, I just kind of, I, I fail, I die. And, and so, like, I don't know, I guess I'm a testimony to God's revelation. Like, he just, every time I would go, like, you know, I, I medicate by playing video games, going to the gym, buying things, eating, not going to the gym. Like, you know, I, I do all these things to, like, try and, you know, feel good about myself. And every time God was like, no, like, you know you don't feel good. He's like, come, read, read your word. I've got something great for you. Like, I have a promise for you. And literally, every time I'd open my word, he would just tell me something nice. Or say, he would show me something about who he is or his plans for my life. And it was just, it was nuts. He just rescued me with revelation. And I just want more of that. And, and really, epic life as a whole is kind of, I mean, there's more depth, more excitement, more like, I don't know, I'm surrounded by a bunch of guys right now that just like, they want it, and they want it hard. And, uh, and it's because we've started all praying corporately for revelation. And, and we just, I just want to urge you tonight, like you have, there's a hope of your calling. God has chosen you. He is in, he, you are his inheritance. He, he can't wait. And he's got all of these revelations just ready. I mean, there's one verse that says, ask anything my name according to my will and I, and I will hear you. He is so readily apparent, readily available when we're praying for something according to his will. And so when we're asking, God, I'm sick of willpower, I'm sick of trying. I just want your revelation in my life. Show me who you are so that I can look like you. He will just immediately, boom, every time you open your word, guaranteed, he will have something for you there. And even like, I came home one day and I was kind of, I was still bummed about, you know, the whole Liz thing. And, uh, and my dad said something to me and I just like died, like broke out in tears and like, it was just, it was such a trigger. Like, I don't know what happened. And, and God said, like in that moment, immediately, he said, you know, 
a true father would understand how broken you were and would be very careful with his words. I have promises for you right now. You're going to open your word. Do not, if it, and there's, you know, there's like kind of convicting things in the word. He says, ignore every conviction right now and just read all of the promises I have for you. And he just kind of like nursed me back to health. It's nuts. And, and really, it's just everything goes back to revelation in our lives. And, and it's the same thing with that, um, what's the, it says we have been called, sorry, that we would know the hope of his calling and what are the riches of his inheritance in the saints. And really that's, that's his, he loves us. He can't wait for us to be his. And, and really, he doesn't want this like wheezing, like, you know, Swiss cheese bride that's just full of holes and just useless. Like he wants to be shine, them, us to be shining bright, like just completely pure and holy. And he's willing to work with you at every point in that. He, he just, he wants more. And, uh, and, you know, he says, come to me as children. And he, he calls his sons. And so really, like, you, when you get one revelation, just be that bratty kid who just asks for more. Like, just don't stop. Because I guarantee you, every time you ask for revelation, he's got something there that's going to completely break off strongholds. I mean, I had a religious stronghold. I, I thought I could do it mentally. Like, I consistently wake up now and I'm like, God, just quiet my mind and just speak to my heart. Like, just completely go beyond my mind because... You know, I can get a mental understanding. I, I could, you know, two years ago I could explain sit, walk, stand and like the, the main themes of Ephesians, but there was zero tenderness. There was zero love. I couldn't, I was inconsistent at best. And, and really, when he says, Paul prays that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened to know the hope of your calling. It's not the eyes of your mind. It's not the ears of your heart. It's very specific. The eyes of your heart would be enlightened. He doesn't want you to get a mental understanding of these things. A lot of people, like, if you try to read Romans, you just, you like, you, you end up just bogging down. I used to. And, and so I'd always end up reading, like, Philippians or James because it just tells you, like, be holy, don't do these things. Like, it's super, like, practical. But when God is in charge of your quiet times, when you open your word and you say, God, give me revelation, he's going to just, like, sidestep your, your, your brain and he's going to give you, he's going to open the eyes of your heart. And, and the cool thing about this is as I'm thinking about that, like, why not ears? Like, why not, why wouldn't he want you to hear his truth? And, and in my life, like, I, I, I listen to, you know, Reality LA and all these great churches. I, I go to, I've been to Hillsong's London and Paris, and like, I've gone to ridiculous churches and listened to great speakers, but literally nothing anyone has ever said has stuck with me more than like six months. And, and it's, it's because I hear it, like, the things that I write down are truth in my life. For some reason, that's just how I take things in. And it's the same thing. Like, if you see an image, you know, you see some, like, I, my dad's uh, job used to be to take pictures. No, it's not his job. His, his friend's job would be he'd go to, like, uh, crash sites and he'd take pictures of, like, the heinous, like, cra- accidents. And, like, that guy would be so scarred by all the crap he's seen. And it's the same thing. Like, when you see something, It sticks. And so God, God wants the eyes of your heart to be enlightened. So like, you know, I, I open my Bible on a daily basis and I say, God, quiet my soul, mind, will, and emotions. Quiet just, and just sidestep all that and speak directly to my heart. And then I say, God, just show me, thing, show me something I've never seen before. And he never fails. Every time he's there. 
So as the, you know, the, can you guys come up for worship? Um, what I want to end with is this. What you know about God will define your love for him. Like it, what you know about God will change your, your, the way that you approach God. So if you're constantly trying to earn God, earn your salvation, like the Galatians, you're just going to fail. You're going to get stuck in the same cyclical loop. But if you lay aside all the things that you've been constantly trying, the ways that you try to get at God, and you really come to Him with a, just a desire for revelation, I mean, write out any prayer and just pour out your heart. It, prayer is not a super, like, holy, you know, Paul's prayer, you know, he says, I pray that you would know this, this, and this. And he just kind of rambles, like, no periods anywhere. He just keeps going. I, I go walk around my, uh, my house or my neighborhood, and I'll say, God, you know, I'm... I'm frustrated with this. I don't like that. I'm working on this. Like, this is what I want to know about you. And I just spit out everything at God. And, and then he just starts to speak into every area of my life. And he has the same exact things for you. So tonight, you know, as we close, I, I want to ask you, like, if, if, if the God you, you know right now doesn't cause you to want him more, like, you ought to be concerned. You, we, there, you cannot know God on like a, you know, a, a deep level and be like content or, or complacent or satisfied. He is more than we can. I mean, he's uncontainable. He, you know, Katie was just running up and down and yelling things like this. She was so excited about who he was. And you know, when she's reading A.W. Tozer and like all these, you realize like A.W. Tozer, you can read like two paragraphs at a time. Like, she went from being, like, a baby Christian to reading, like, Latin, basically, in, like, two years. And it was because he just showed himself to her, and she chased. Showed himself, and she chased. And so, God, tonight, or so tonight, like, let's just respond. Do you want revelation? Do you want to know more about him? Do you want to know what the hope of your calling is? Do you want it to be seen today? Like, do you want to walk with God on a daily basis, not just hope for heaven someday, but to be defined by a relationship that is, you know, ongoing and deeper, deepening on a daily basis. I know I do. I, well, last week, you know, they, they said, you know, anybody who wants revelation or anyone who wants more of God or wants a better understanding of their identity, raise their hand. And I, like, immediately, I like, came forward. I have a great understanding of my identity, but if there's any chance for me to get a greater revelation of who he is, I'm going to be there. And that's really who we want to be. We want to be, be, be people who just need more of God, not just like we'll get it if it's there. So tonight, just respond in whatever way you've got. He's got revelation. He's got truth. He's got so much for you. And I'm convinced that it will change your life. There's, there's no way. I mean, when Paul, he described sit, walk, stand. He described every spiritual blessing. He went through all these things. And then every time he would pray for him, and at one point, he prays twice. The second prayer, he says, that the eyes that you would know the love of God was surpasses knowledge. That's not a mental knowledge. Like there's, how can you know something that surpasses knowledge? It's only by revelation. And so let's be a people that are defined by revelation, defined by just what he's giving us. So let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for God, everything you have done in our lives for just who you are. You are constant and you are good. And God, we can come to you as sons and daughters with every spiritual blessing and just ask and seek. And God, it says if we ask and seek you, you open and you answer. And God, you are just there. 
Your word is full of promises of outpourings and just greater revelations. And so God, epic life tonight, Lord God, we just ask that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be over this group, that you would define us by a love for you, Lord God, that, that we would know the hope of our calling, that eternal life, Lord God, knowing you would be a part of our lives. God, define us by what we know about you. Pass by us and let us see your backside. Whatever we can t- get, we will take, God. We just need more of you. God, we, it says, commit it to God. Trust also in him and he will bring it to pass. God, we commit our hearts to you. We commit our desires. We commit our, our, our hopes. And God, bring it to pass. Bring greater depth into our group. Define us, Lord God, by softness and suppleness and tenderness and just such a, a love for you that, Lord God, there's, there's nothing else for it. God, we need you. God, we commit our lives to you and we just look forward to all that you have for us. In Jesus' name.